Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. You guys ready to continue in the word today? Yeah? We're going to continue in our series called Sweeter Than Honey. Turn to your neighbor and say, you sweet. I'm trying to loosen it up a little bit. You guys got to loosen up. I can feel it. You guys are a little tense today. I'm not sure if you watch too much of the news or whatever. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're sweet. Maybe wink at him. I don't know. Loosen up a little bit. You're sweet. Sweeter than honey. I'm excited. This has been an amazing series. I'm excited that uh, Pastor Cody's going to finish it off next week. It's going to be incredible. But I want to talk to you today about the topic, how to taste honey. How to taste honey. The verse that we're preaching from throughout this series is Psalms 81, verse 16. It says, but he would feed you with the finest sweet. And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. We talked about this last week, but it's from the moments of difficulty. It's the most difficult moments in life, the times of contention, the times of quarrel, the times of pain, the times of persecution, the times of stretching, the times of cutting, the times of hurt. That is where sometimes, most of the time, God does his sweetest work. God can produce the sweetest things from the most difficult things. God can produce honey from the, from, from the rock. He can produce honey from the hardest places in your life. He can produce from the places of pain, from the places of persecution, from contention, from quarrel. He can produce honey. Nowhere in scripture do we see that God promises a life void of pain and no persecution or no stretching. In fact, throughout scripture, we see that that is present and available throughout the life that we will live here on this earth. But God does promise that he can produce honey out of any amount of pain and situation that we are in. But what I want to tackle today is not that we understand the concept that God can produce sweetest, you know, the sweetest things in the hardest moments. In fact, he always does. That's a promise. But what I'm here to, to wrestle with today and contend with today is even when God produces the sweetest moments in our life in the most difficult of times, do we even taste it? Because sometimes God can produce the sweetest things that we're looking for, but we don't taste it because we have the wrong inner disposition in our hearts. It's all about the disposition of our soul, the disposition of the center of who we are. Proverbs 27, 7 says this, the one who is full loathes honey or hates it. The one who is full hates honey. But to the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Depending on the inner disposition of our soul soul towards God, towards people, towards life, towards church, it can change whether or not we taste the honey that's produced in the most difficult moments. So God can be doing a sweet work. God can be trying to reveal something to us. God can be trying to show us something, but we can miss it. In fact, we can hate it if we have the wrong inner disposition of our soul in our life. Proverbs really tells us the one contingency, that if we are to taste the sweetness of God in the most bitter moments, we have to understand this. Are we full or are we hungry? Full means this, to be satisfied, to be sated, where we get the word saturated, to be, to be saturated, to be soaked in, to be permeated with. Lamentations 3.15 says this, he has filled me with bitterness and he has sated me with wormwood, which means it's a, it's a bitter root. He is, he is saturated with bitterness. And Lamentations 3.15 is what he's saying. He's filled with bitterness. He's saturated, he's soaked in it. See, if we allow the outer circumstances to determine our inner disposition, what happens is this, we get filled with bitterness. 
To be full is to allow your outer circumstances to determine your inner disposition towards God. That if it's not going your way, it's not going the path that you wanted, the things are not happening, what happens is this. What's happening on the outside begins to determine your position on the inside, and then it begins to determine whether or not you taste the sweet things that God is going to produce. Do we allow the outer circumstances to saturate our inner disposition? To be hungry is a vehement desire or a craving. A vehement desire or a craving. So how do we stay hungry in the times of quarrel and contention? Because I would say it's actually the most difficult times to stay hungry is not necessarily just the good times, but it's actually the bad times. Why? Because our outer circumstances quickly saturate our inner disposition. It's easy to get bitter when things are going bad. It's easy to get cynical when you don't get your way. It's easy to get angry when you don't get what you want. It's easy to allow your outer circumstances to determine your inner disposition. And it's in today, or today what I want to describe to us today and how do, how do we fight? How do we stay hungry in the times of contention? How do we stay hungry when we have a reason to be bitter? How do we stay hungry when we have a reason to be angry? How do we stay hungry when we have a reason to be cynical? How do we stay hungry in the most difficult times in life when we want to be saturated with everything other than God? How do we stay hungry? And this disposition will determine whether or not we taste what is sweet that God is producing in the moment, the most difficult moments, or if we hate what God is doing. So there's three questions I want to ask today. That's it. Three questions. And speaking of hungry, I know you want to go to brunch. And guess what? I'll get you there. And three questions, and then you're going to brunch. It's perfect. You're welcome. The first question is this. Do you have a sweet tooth? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have a sweet tooth? It's so quiet here. No one wants to answer that question in Orange County. Like, never. I only eat kale. No, you don't. You eat bear claws at night. We all know. It's okay. Turn to the other neighbor and say, do you have a sweet tooth? Come on, say it loud. Say, do you have a sweet tooth? You can answer. We all do. Come on. Do you have a sweet tooth? My Lord, I haven't worked out since high school. For sure I have a sweet tooth, Okay. It's been about, I'm not going to say. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 16 says this. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill and you vomit it. If you have honey, if you've discovered the sweet things that God can produce, don't eat too much of it because it'll make you sick. The quickest way for us to not recognize the sweetest moments that God produces in the, the worst of times is to focus only on what God can do for us instead of who God is to us. A quick way to being full of cynicism, to be full of anger, is to only view God as what he can give you in your life. It'll make you sick. It'll make you disappointed. Because it's to try to view God as nothing bad will happen to me if I serve God. We talked about this last week. God is not here to enhance your life. He's here to give you a new one. And sometimes if we only look at the, the souped up version of our life that we think God can give us and then it doesn't happen, guess what happens? We become sick and frustrated, disappointed. Why? Because we are only viewing God for what he can give to us. 
the sweet moments in life, the sweet things in life. We want the blessing. We want the prosperity. We want all of these things, but we don't want to wrestle with the bitterness and the frustration and the hurt and the pain. We don't want to face the difficult moments. We don't want to confront the things that are actually confronting us. We don't want to face the dark parts of our soul. We don't want to face the dark parts of our life. Why? Because we only want the sweet things. We only want happy, nice Jesus who gives me money. (laughs) If you give me money, we're good. All right? But we become sick and cynical when we believe that life with God is a life without pain. If you believe that life without God is a life without pain, it's going to quickly turn to becoming cynical. Quickly turn to being saturated with bitterness. Because one thing doesn't go our way, and then we're like, God, you said. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say you would avoid pain. He didn't say you would avoid, avoid contention and quarreling and wrestling. He didn't say that. In fact, he actually invites you to it. He invites you into the suffering party. To partake in Christ's life, you have to partake in Christ's suffering. It's an invitation. In every book in the New Testament, suffering is mentioned. Persecution is mentioned. So to think that God is only here to give you something and he's your genie in the bottle is actually setting us up to be cynical. It's setting us up to be self-righteous. It's setting us up to be arrogant, full of pride. It's setting us up to be saturated with bitterness. Christ can satisfy and give us the sweetest things in the midst of pain, but it's because of who he is, not just what he can do. John chapter six says this, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures eternal life, which the son of man will give to you for for on him and the father has his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he sent to you. So they said to him, then, the sign, uh, then what sign do you do that we may believe in you? And what work do you perform? This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000 for these same people. He took a lunch. He provided a meal from one kid's lunch for 5,000 people. And this is what they said. What work are you going to perform for us to believe in you? I thought I just did that. This is what happens when you have a sweet tooth. When you only view God for what he can get to you, it will never be enough. Christ is enough. The fact that he came and died on the cross for us when we were sinners and far from him, it says, while yet we were still sinners, Christ died. So he even died for people who will reject him in the end, yet he still died. Is that not enough? Anything else that he can produce is just a bonus. But the understanding this, if we only view God for what he can give to us, this will be our end. We will always be looking, God, you need to give me a sign and show me you're here for us. And we will miss what God's already producing because we're looking for God to do something. Then God's saying, I'm already doing it. I've already done it. I've given it to you. It's right in front of you. This is right after Jesus says, you know, I am the bread of life. And you know how he finished this discourse right here after they say, well, we need a sign to believe in you. You know how he finishes it? It's pretty crazy. He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. If I said that today, I hope all of you would get up, single filey, file out, say, see you later. He said to everyone, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you know what it said? Everyone turned their back on him. Everyone turned their back on him except the disciples. And the disciples' answer was not profound in this 
You ever read it? Turns to the disciples, are you guys going to leave? You know what Peter said? Modern context. Well, you're all right. <laughs> we ain't got nowhere to go, right? He literally says, I, we, we, where else would we go? It's like you're at a friend's house and they're fighting with their parents, but they drove you there. It's like, I want to go, but it's like, you're my ride. <laughs> you know, This is awkward. I hate this, right? Peter's like, where else would we go? It wasn't like, no, you're so good. It's like, dude, you kind of just told us about cannibalism. That's kind of weird. We're down, bro, because we ain't got nowhere else to go. But like, can we just like ease into the cannibalism, right? It's symbolic of suffering. He's telling you what this Christian life is actually about. Death to self. Death to self. We cannot follow Christ and, and, and not die to ourselves. It doesn't work. Christ called us one way to live the life that he lived. So dying to self is simply this, is that you, when you don't get what you want, you're not surprised by it, you're not controlled by it, and it does not move you. Death to self is when you don't get what you want, you're not surprised by it, you're not controlled by it, and it does not move you. Why? That doesn't mean you don't have wants and desires. Doesn't mean that you're like a robot. Eh, I just want what Jesus wants, you know, doesn't happen. What it means is this, is that you actually, even when your desires don't align with God's will, guess what? You say, God, I want to reflect your will. So I want your desires to become my desires. And if I don't get what I want, I just know that you've got something better. So this is what he's saying. Everyone turned their back on him and said, well, no, this isn't what we signed up for. Too often, I think, in this day and age, when, when, when being a Christian is no longer cool, and it's increasingly getting more uncool, which is fine, thank God. Like, as the price of following Christ goes up, this is what's going to happen, is we're going to have to make this decision right here in the most difficult times. Am I here just for what God can do for me? Or am I here because of who God is to me? We will never taste the sweetest moments in life if we have too much of a sweet tooth. If we have the improper perspective that God is not here just to be your genie in the bottle to give you every wish that you want, but he, he came and died so that you could live a life that is very different than the life that you could even dream of. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of hope. It's a life aligned with the spirit of God. But what it takes is this saying this, I am willing to partake in the suffering of Christ himself and dying to myself. The second question you need to ask yourself first is, do I have a sweet tooth? And these are questions, quite honestly, we should be asking ourselves all the time. Doesn't matter how long that we've been with Christ, it's easy to get a sweet tooth, even if you've been for 50 years. So ask these questions all the time. The second one is, what voice fills you? What voice fills you? Proverbs 27, six says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. To never hear the voice of conviction and only hear what we want from God is no relationship with God at all. Because if we are dealing with God who is perfect, almighty, consistent, holy, and we are not, I think we can all agree that there's gonna be moments in time that we are in relationship with God, almighty, consistent, holy, that he reveals things in our life that are not consistent with his character. That's conviction. And if you don't get convicted, two things is happening. Either you're not listening and not connected to God, or, or you are God. We can all admit that we're not God and we're not perfect. So there's moments in where, we're, where our imperfections and our character is flawed, that conviction is not a bad thing, but it's a sweet thing. 
Why? Because God is removing the things from your life that may wound you in the present, but it will grow you in the future. But in this day and age, we do not want to confront anything. We want to be passive aggressive with our sin. We want to be passive aggressive with our family. We want to be passive aggressive with our friends. We do not want to confront anything that's difficult in our life. So profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So we surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear and how we want to hear it and that you're doing okay. See, this is the problem. What voices are filling you up can dictate whether or not you taste the sweet things in life. So if you have someone telling you, you have every right to be bitter. You have every right. What does Jesus say? You have every right to be angry. What does Jesus say? You have every right. You have every right to leave. You have every right to walk out. You have every right to, 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 to do this. You have every right because of what they did to you or what they said to you. And we cannot control what happened. I don't believe that God orchestrates every bad thing in your life. God does not design this and say, this is sometimes it's called consequence to sin because somebody else's sin, there's consequence in your life. God did not design that. That wasn't God's way, but God can still work it for your good if you're listening. So conviction is actually God helping you confront the real issue. The real issue isn't even the person who hurt you. It's still you. What is God removing in you? What is God healing in you? What is God restoring in you? What is God molding in you? And the problem is sometimes we surround ourselves with the people that tell us what we want to hear. It was Solomon's son who took over. I can't remember his name. I'm blanking right now. Sorry. Solomon's son who took over and it says he actually got the old wisdom and he says, what should I do? They say, have a, give him a soft answer. Be kind and they'll, they'll serve you. They'll love you. Then he got his pals around him, right? His buddies. No, be harder than your dad was. Be harsh, be mean. Don't listen to those old geezers, right? What does he do? He listens to his friends and a revolt began. What voices are, see, he didn't want to hear humble yourself. He, didn't, he, want, he listened to the voices that he wanted, not the voices he needed. If the God you serve always agrees with you, that may not be God. If the Bible you read always agrees with you, that may not be the right Bible. We like to pick and choose the big sins in church, right? Like, I've never murdered. Okay, cool. Join like 99% of the population. <laughs> okay. I've never done, we like to say what we've never done and never would do. We don't talk about the times we've gossiped about people. We don't talk about the times that, that, that we've been angry, out of control angry. We've justified it for whatever reason. We don't talk about those things, right? No, 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 that's not as bad as this sin. Well, sin. And Christ wants to remove all of those things. He wants to help you grow and mature and develop. And guess what? That's called conviction. It's called the con confronting of those areas in your soul. But you know you're full when the conviction of the Holy Spirit is no longer sweet. You know you're saturated with self when you hear what God is saying to remove, but you don't like it anymore. Or you don't accept it. Oh, I don't, I don't accept that. That's when you know that you're full of self. And you need to surround yourself not only with, obviously, the Holy Spirit to speak, but surround yourself with people in your life that can point that out in you. Surround yourself with people that say, hey, that, that's, not, that's not of God. That's not of God. Isaiah 55, two says this, what you need to spend your money, or why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? 
Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Jesus says, this man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Any other voice that we feed on will always lead us unsatisfied. So as much as you want to vent to your friends and feel justified about being angry, guess what? It's still going to leave you unsatisfied. Well, I'm just, you don't understand how mad I am. I get it. And, and talking's good. Counseling's good. Venting is good. But it's not good if you have someone saying, stay there. Stay there. Acts 17, we see this, or Acts 16, we see the girl who is the spirit of divination. And it says that when she was delivered, guess what? The people were angry that were making money off her. There are sometimes people in your life actually benefit or profit off your brokenness because it, does, it forces them not to have to face theirs. So if you have people in your life that are wanting to keep you to where you don't face and confront the darkest parts of your soul, you need to get those people out of your life because that's not the way of Christ. Christ wants to deal with every area of your life. He, he doesn't want to just deal with the easy things. That's why sometimes it's painful. That's why sometimes it's pressing. That's why sometimes it's pushing because it's in those moments that God produces the sweetest revelations of who he is and how he heals. God is not here to tell you everyone else's story. He's here to tell you yours. He's here to mold yours. He's here to shape yours. He's here to grow you. Too often we view, well, I mean, I just really hope that that person grows in this season. That's the wrong perspective. God, what are you growing in me in this pain? What are you growing in me in this hurt, in this pressing, in this quarreling, and in this contention? This is how we taste honey. Number one, do you have a sweet tooth? Number two, what, fills your, what voice fills you? Number three, who is with you? Who is with you? Isaiah 7, 14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and, he, and honey when he knows how to refuse evil and choose good. Emmanuel means this, God with us. God with us. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying about Christ, the promise that he would bring with him a diet of curds and honey, which really is a picture of milk and honey, the promised land. Christ is the promise. So in Isaiah, he's, he's prophesying about this new Messiah that would come, that would be born of a virgin. He would take on our humanity. And did you see what it says? When he learns to resist what's evil and do what's good, that's when he will have a diet of milk or curds and honey. It's when you live the life. So Christ didn't just come to die on the cross, but he came to live as well. He came and he took on our human condition, our temptation, our hurt, our pain. He wrestled with things. He, he, he was tempted by things. He, he dealt with the pain. He dealt with the persecution. He dealt with the rejection. He had family issues. Says that his half-brother James was like, aren't you just the carpenter's son? His own hometown rejected him. He dealt with what we would deal with. Why? So that when he died on the cross, we could have victory and he would be with us in that victory. So to be with God and to do what Christ did is when we walk in the promise that God Christ promised. To resist evil and to do what's good. Does that mean that we're, we're always gonna get it right? No, it's to be with God. So when we mess up, guess what Emmanuel will do? He says, hey, let me pick you up. 
Keep going. Keep going. Because as you walk in obedience to God, guess what happens? You walk in the promise of God. The promise of God does not come without obedience. And understand this. In the promised land, this is a lesson. Look, read Judges and Joshua. The conquering. Joshua, when they conquered the land. First, it started with Jericho. Great victory, right? They walked around the walls. The walls fell down. Everyone's blowing the trumpet. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah, like couldn't, crazy victory. You know what happens right after that? They go to Ai, this small town, and they don't even bring but a portion of their men, but because someone didn't obey the voice of God, they were defeated by someone they should have easily won over. And then throughout the conquering season, what happened is this, is that they would be faced with different tests of obedience. And the level in which they obeyed was the portion in which they operated in the promise. And there wasn't perfect obedience. There was, they, they, they didn't listen to the voice of God. This is the thing, the promised land is this. God gives everyone access to the promised land through Jesus Christ, that you can be saved. But the portion in which you walk in the promise in your life is directly connected how much you are willing to obey the voice of God. And the beautiful thing is this, the difference between the children of Israel and us is that we have God with us in each and every one of us. They had God with us externally and they saw his signs. We have God with us internally. And he can transform the inner disposition of our soul to align with his own. And that as we walk, guess what begins to happen? We begin to eat a diet of milk and of honey. And our external circumstances do not determine our inner disposition. The things that are going on don't don't change how we view God. We don't get cynical. We don't get bitter. We don't get angry. Why? Because that doesn't determine. It's our inner disposition that determines our outer circumstance. So even if the outer circumstances don't change, guess what? Our inner disposition has aligned us that we can still walk in freedom. We can still walk in hope. We can still walk in peace. We can still walk in joy. Not because we've done good and we're self-righteous, but because from the center of who we are, we are aligned with God and we are walking with God. We're walking in obedience with God and we are walking in the promise of God. So it's in this place of apprenticeship and practicing in the way with Christ and that we are with God and he is with us. And that there's this understanding that when we are aligned from the center of who we are, from the, and it flows externally, everything else begins to align. And no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, we can walk with God, but it's directly connected to obedience. Christ, it says he had to resist evil to do good. Christ obeyed. John chapter five, he followed the voice of God. This is how Christ lived his life. He could have healed everyone at the pool of Bethsaida, but he didn't. He says, I only do what the father has revealed for me to do. Christ was not trying to do everything that he, if I was Jesus, I'm trying to heal everybody. And you get a miracle, you get one. You want one? Come here, boom. He only did what God said to do. It's the inner disposition of who he was aligned with the father that helped him walk in the authority that God had given him. There are things that God wants to do in your life, but it's on the other side of aligning your life with God with us, Emmanuel, through the Holy Spirit and journeying through a life of obedience. Some of the pain that you are suffering through is not because of God or other people, it's because we refuse to obey the voice of God. First Peter says this, do you suffer as if a thief or who's malicious, who's angry, who's jealous, or do you suffer unto Christ? So you can suffer, but you don't have to in some ways. Sometimes it's suffering because we've been disobedient. Sometimes we suffer because it's just life and it's what's gonna happen when we follow Christ. But it's who is with you that matters. 
Who are you walking with? Who is in the center of who you are? And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit saying the 9 a.m. and I'm bringing it over to the 11 because it's the same here. Some of you are searching for that. You're searching for Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you, you've never found God. You've never had a relationship with Jesus, but some of you, you have. And you used to walk with God. You used to know who God was and he was with you, but you seem to slowly lose your connection with that. And now you've been saturated with bitterness, with anger, with cynicism, with self-righteousness, and you don't even taste the sweet things anymore. You used to. You used to taste the sweet moments of God. You used to enjoy the sweetest moments of God. You used to know the sweet moments of God, but something has happened to where now you are found yourself searching for something that you thought you already found. Acts 17, the apostle Paul was in Athens and he says he walked through a temples and he says to, you have idols to an unknown God. The philosophers of the day, the teachers of the day, they would argue day and night about who was God and what is God and how does life. And he says, you guys still haven't found the answer. They were searching. They were searching. But can I read you a portion of that scripture? It says this in verse 27. Acts 17 says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each and every one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. When we go searching for God, he's not hard to find. God is in you. He's with you. He's for you, not against you. What is the goal of walking in a life where you can taste honey? It's Acts 17. In him, we live and move and have our being. We need to realign our steps. We need to realign our life. We need to realign our confessions. We need to realign our mind. We need to focus back on, God, are you who I'm walking with or am I saturated and sedated with my own bitterness, with my own anger, with my own pride, with my own frustration, with my own disobedience? Am I so saturated with those things that I can't even taste and hear what you are saying to me? This is the question we must ask. Who is with you? And if God is with you or for you, then who can be against you? Emmanuel is God with us. And with God with us, we can walk with a diet of milk and honey and we can walk in a promise. And guess what? Promise doesn't mean perfect. We think God's promise means a perfect life that I get everything I want. No, promise is this, is that we submit to God and that he aligns our life and he gives us a life that we could have never designed for ourselves. God wants to design a whole new life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.